everybody. But if you have your Bible this morning, let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. So here's the thing this morning. I'm not really good with doing themed sermons, okay? I know it's Mother's Day, and you know a lot of preachers or pastors are going to be like preaching about the, the biblical mom or whatever. That's not me. It's kind of not where I'm going. But one of my favorite mothers that is mentioned in the Bible is the widow of Zarephath. The widow of Zarephath, and she's a thug, okay? I'm just going to say it. She's a thug. She's straight up hardcore, and, and uh, there, are some things, there are some hardcore people in the Bible, but this lady just falls under that category for me, all right? But uh, this lady takes the cake, and we're going to talk about her, and we're going to talk about um, just, it's an awesome story, but if you want to, let's read together 1 Kings 17, verse 7 is where we're going to start, and Here's what it says. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, let me give you a quick backstory. Elijah had prayed that the rain would stop. Okay. And up to this point, the Bible says that the rain had quit raining. And now there's a drought in the land. The brook had dried up. That's the backstory of what's going on right here. Okay. Verse number eight. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, and this is Elijah, verse number 9, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose, verse number 10, he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray, a little water in a vessel that I might drink. Verse number 11. And she was going to fetch it. And he called her and said, Bring me, I pray, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Verse number 12. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and I'm gathering two sticks so I can go, and I can dress it for my son and my uh, myself and my son, and that way we can eat it and die. It kind of blows my mind that she was like, I don't have a cake, but I have stuff to make a cake. Don't we do that sometimes? I don't have this, but I have the stuff to do it, you know, and we kind of want to lean back on that a little bit. I'll, I'll talk about that here more in a second. But verse number 13. And Elijah saith unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and then after make for thee and thy son. And verse 14. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Okay? And so, two more verses, and we're going we're gonna to pray. Verse 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. Let's pray there. Lord, we ask right now that you take this word, that you break open our hearts, that you plant seed down into our hearts, God. And Lord, that this word challenges us and that we grow and that we change and that we become the men and women of God that you want us to be. 
Lord, we ask right now that you do the thing that only you can do. Remove Joe from the equation because I'll mess it up. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So let me recap here real quick about this story because I find it very funny. The, the, uh, Elijah the prophet spoke to the woman. He was like, hey, do you care to get me a glass of water? And then she went and was going to get a glass of water. And he was like, oh, by the way, will you bring me some bread? How many people in here have yelled at your wife and asked her to do something for you? Or, or your husband and asked him to do something for you? And when they go to do it, you ask for something else? Y'all ever done that before? I've done that to my wife before. I'm like, honey, hey, would you please do this? And then when she goes to do it, and then I add just a little extra on the end of it, I can already hear her eyes rolling in the back of her head, right? And the truth is, is that we we all know that this probably had, had bothered this lady because, you know, she's like, Lord, I'm already making you a cup of water. What else do you want? You know, like grumbling while she was walking away. But here's something that, I can't help but think of cornbread when I read this story. Y'all know what I'm saying? How many people know what a pone of cornbread is? Y'all ever heard of that, a pone of cornbread? It's a, it's a little cornbread cake, you know? And so I think of that, and, and what's funny is, is I could just imagine, and we'll put it in our context, we live in uh, East Tennessee right here in the smack dab, the heart of Rutledge. Uh, you know, we live a little country around here, and so uh, I think it, would be suiting if we could say it like this. Elijah asked her for a piece of cornbread. He, he said, uh, can I have some cornbread? And she said, well, I don't have any. You know, I've got the meal, I've got the oil, but I don't have any cornbread. He's like, just go and make some and then bring me some cornbread. In essence, he was saying, are you going to eat your cornbread? You know? <laughs> and so that's what we're going to be pulling from today is this, is that God spoke and he gave this lady an opportunity for God to do something miraculous in her life. Okay? So here's the first thing I want us to pull from this morning in this crazy title sermon called Are You Going to Eat Your Cornbread? is this. The first thing that we have to know about this particular story is that the woman heard from God first before she heard from Elijah. The woman heard from God first before she heard from Elijah. Verse number 9 in this passage of Scripture implies that God commanded a widow from Zarephath to tend to Elijah. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. You can't be commanded unless you have been spoken to. You can't be commanded unless you have been spoken to. And here's what I want you to hear, is that whenever we see this, is that the lady had already been commanded by God to help the prophet Elijah. And this is another thing that's pretty wild to me too. Zarephath was a Gentile country. It wasn't like the Jewish people who already believed in God. This was a country of Zidon. Zarephath, which was a province of Zidon, they, they most likely were not believers. They most likely were not of godly guidance. And do you know what this tells me? Is that God is always speaking if we are willing to listen. If we are willing to listen, God is speaking. And I, can, and I proved it with this passage of Scripture. God was already talking to a woman who was most likely living ungodly. I've, I've heard people make this statement before. God won't talk to sinners. Yeah, right. God does talk to sinners all day, every day. The problem with us is, is we don't always listen. 
We don't always listen. And God provoked this lady. And here's, here's another thing that I was thinking about. Because when I read scripture, I kind of like dissect it. And sometimes I put it in my own terms. <laughs> that way I understand it a little bit better. But whenever I was reading this passage of scripture and I caught that, that God commanded this lady to take care of the prophet. And then she had spoken to the lady before he had spoken to the prophet. God spoke to the lady before he spoke to the prophet. And what that means is, is this lady had plenty of time to think about what she was supposed to do for the Lord. Has God ever asked you to do something and you had time to think about it? Most of the time when God asks us to do something and we have time to think about it, we figure out a way to justify not doing it. Right? I don't know about you, but I do that. There's plenty of times that God will be like, hey, do this. And if I have time to think about it, I'm going to figure out some super rational way for me to say, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But in reality, if we're not careful, we'll shut down God wanting to do something miraculous in our lives. But we'll totally make up excuses if we have time to think about it. And I've, I've told this story here before, but I feel like telling it again. Is My cousin called me one day. He said, Joe, he said they found a mass on the side of my head. They found a spot on the side of my head. And he said, I'm going to the doctor, scared to death. And I was like, okay. I said, we'll, we'll pray for you. And God's like, yeah, you will. You'll go down to where he works and you'll lay your right hand on his head and you're going to pray for him. And I said, Lord, he works at Zoomers. <laughs> I'm not going to roll up in this gas station and put my hand on his head and pray for him. You know what? how stupid I would look? He said, do it. Do it. And I heard from the Lord and God gave me specific things to do, and I had two options. Here are my options. Do it or don't do it. So and I looked at the, the girl I was dating at the time, and I was like, look, we got to go to Zoomers. And she was like, why? I said, I've got to pray for my cousin. And so we went to Zoomers, and I took my right hand like the Lord told me to and laid it because I didn't know what side it was on, but it was on the left side of his head, so it worked out, right? Right hand, left side of head. It worked out. And I prayed for him, and I said, God told me to tell you that when you go to the doctor, you're going to see a different result. Sure enough, he called me a couple days later. It's not there, Joe. They can't find it. Don't know what's going on. And so God done a miraculous thing because I was faithful to say yes. Another quick story. We had a visiting preacher from Texas at our church where we used to attend. And we were having church, you know, doing the, doing the big thing where we pray for people, anoint people with all that kind of stuff. And there was a guy in the back of the room that I had never seen before in my life had his arm in a sling. And God said, go pray for him. And me, being the worship leader, I was like, God, I can't leave the platform. I used a good excuse, right? I was like, I'm up here playing music. I can't leave the platform. He said, go and pray for him. I said, Lord, I can't leave the platform. You know, me and him fought. How many people know that when you fight with the Lord, you're not going to win? Right? Okay, so... What I do, I laid my instrument down, and when I laid my instrument down, that guy walked out the back door. And so me being the guy, I mean, I could have picked my instrument up and started playing again. Well, Lord, he, you know, he missed his chance, <laughs> you know. But in reality, I chased him out the door like a weirdo, you know what I'm saying? And so when I stepped out the door, he was standing in the foyer. I was like, man, what's up with your arm? You know, obviously there's something going on with it. And he said, I heard it the other day. And he said, I can't bend it, can't do nothing. I said, can I pray for you? And he's like, yeah, you know, this other guy walks out the door. I was like, dude, come here, pray. We're going to pray for him. And when we prayed for this guy, the first thing I knew to say was, now do something you couldn't do before. And he took his sling off and he went, 
and lost it. Tears strolling down his face, crying. He's he's like, <laughs> it freaked me out so bad. I didn't know what I, I just screamed. I'm like, <laughs> you know, because I saw God do something miraculous. And I swung the door to the church open. <laughs> and people are looking back at the back, like, what's going on? Who's here? Is somebody getting attacked? But what happened was is I chose yes or no. And I took I was so close to saying no. Now, Joe is not miraculous. Joe is not powerful. Joe is not all-knowing. Joe is a failure at most. But God is good. And He gave me an opportunity. And here's the thing. God will speak to all of us. He will speak to every single one of us in the room. And when He speaks, He often asks of us. That's why we don't like to hear Him. Because if we like... How many people... If somebody called you, every time they called you, they ask you for something, would you pick up the phone? No. Come on. You would have, if you did, you would eventually get sick of it. Right? And the truth is, is that... Here's the thing. God speaks to us, but He often asks of us. He often says, will you... Do this, or will you do that? You may be saying, well, Pastor Joe, God's never spoken to me before. Here's something I've learned about God speaking. You may agree to this, you may not agree to this, but I found it to be true in my life. Is that I believe that God and Satan speaks to me in first person. What do you mean by that? I had to look up first person to to make sure I was telling you exactly what that means. First person means is that God will speak and I think it's myself. Or Satan will speak, and I think it's myself. Let me ask you this. How many people have ever had a just an obscure thought pop in your head, and it was wicked? It was mean. It was mean-spirited, right? How many people have ever had an obscure thought pop in your head, and it was good? Do this. Do this. Do this. There's a good chance what you're feeling is... Satan speaking to you or the Lord speaking to you? Because how many people knows that I rarely ever hear from God in an audible voice? You know, I, and if we heard Satan in an audible voice, we wouldn't listen either, would we? Right? Okay, so a lot of times we get these conversations happening in first person. But here's what I want you to know. Pastor Joe, how can I tell the difference between the two? How will I know that it's God speaking to me? Or how will I know whether it's Satan that's speaking to me? Let me ask you this. Would Satan ever tell you to do something good? No. <laughs> no. Come on. And so here's the thing. If, if you're getting prompted to pray for someone, if you're getting prompted to bless someone, if you're getting prompted to love on someone in a godly manner, if you're getting prompted to do something that is beneficial for someone else, that's the Lord. Satan's not going to prompt you to help or bless somebody, right? Now, again, the wicked side of things is there's times that we get tempted, you know, and, and, and so pretty much what I'm trying to get the point across is, is that God is speaking and he's always speaking, but are we willing to listen when he speaks? Are we willing to listen when he speaks? She heard from God first. The second thing I want to say is this, she said yes to the Lord. She said yes to the Lord. And when she said yes, she said, okay, I'm not going to eat my cornbread first. She said, I'm going to go. 
and I'm going to prepare it for the prophet like God told me to and like the prophet asked for me to and I'm going to see what God's going to do. Because the prophet told her, if you'll do this, you won't have to worry about meal. You won't have to worry about oil until rain hits the ground again. You won't have any problems when it comes to the food, right? And so what did she do? She said, okay, I'm going to say yes. And when she said yes, it unlocks something in her life. When God asks you for something, and again, I'm going to make it very practical this morning. When God asks you for something, the two answers that you have are yes or no. And oftentimes we want to say wait, which inevitably means no. (laughs) Right? It's that simple. And it's easy for us in hindsight to look back at this story and say, I would have said yes too, you know? It'd be be easy for me to say yes to the prophet who made this promise to me. And I'm going to say baloney. Because the truth is, is that God asks us sometimes for much simpler things than He asked for the widow, and we say no. We say no. We see someone that we we should bless, and we don't do it. We see someone that we should pray for, and we don't do it. God tells us to witness to our, our coworker, and we don't do it. God tells us to change this in our lives, and we don't do it. The truth is, is it's, it would be easy for me to be like, yes, I can do that. But in reality, it's hard for us in the moment. It's hard for us to say yes in the moment. Have you ever been afraid to do something, but you've done it anyway? Let me tell you all a story real quick. I do pest control, and sometimes I have to go into crawl spaces. Up until this point, I never had an issue with the crawl space. But let me explain this crawl space. This was the crawl space from hell, okay? I'm going to go ahead and tell you. This, if, if, if hell, the physical place, had a crawl space, this was it, all right? And so whenever we opened the door to this crawl space, the guy had taken, and, and I do not support this idea at all. It's actually probably very bad. But he has taken his dryer vent and ran it into the crawl space of his house there is lint everywhere in this house the space is 18 inches from the bottom of the floor joist to the ground and there is lint hanging from these floor joists and I had to crawl all the way to the other corner to see if I could find termite damage I got halfway through that thing And I felt like my world was closing in on me. And I backed out of there and I was going like that because I have never had claustrophobia problems until that particular moment. And it was closing in on me. And he said, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I've just got to psych myself up to do it. I've got to psych myself up to do it. And I knew that that floor wasn't going to fall. And I knew that that house wasn't going to fall. But whenever I was in the moment, I, did, I couldn't convince myself otherwise, right? So here's the thing. Me being the hardcore guy I am, I questioned going back in. <laughs> I questioned calling my boss and saying, no. You know, and so, but I did. I went back in and I got to the same point that I was at. And the same thing started to happen Everything started to close in on me. I started to get short of breath and I started to get afraid. And I had to make a decision in that moment. I'm either going to do this or I'm not. And when I chose what I chose, 
It took every ounce of my energy, but I crawled to the other side of that house. And while I was, I, I worked really quick, <laughs> but I did what I was afraid to do. And here's what I want to challenge you with this morning, church. We need to learn how to say yes. We need to learn how to say yes in the moment. It was easy for me to say, I'm going to crawl to the other side of that house when I wasn't under there. It was easy for me to say, I can do this, no problem, when I wasn't in the moment. We have to learn how to say yes in the moment, without delay. When it's scary, we have to learn how to say yes. When it's hard, we have to learn how to say yes. When it's inconvenient, we have to learn how to say yes. When fear is attached to it, we have to learn how to say yes. Everything that I feel like I experienced in that crawl space, I'm sure the widow of Zarephath was feeling as well. If I give this man this last cake that I have, we're in trouble if God doesn't do what He said He would do. If I bake this and I hand it over, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And the whole time she was cooking, the whole time she was mixing, the whole time she was preparing, the whole time she was deciding, yes, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Up until she handed it away, she had to decide, Yes. And God asks from us. And I know that I'm probably not the only one that's ever done this, but I've said yes before in the moment when it felt right. Y'all, y'all, have y'all ever said yes in the moment and when the moment passed, you're like, oh Lord. I've done that. Guilty as charged. You know, the moment, we're all hyped up in the moment. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. You know, we come to church and, and the worship's right and the music's right and the sermon's right and we're fired up. We feel like we could fight hell with a water pistol and we walk outside and then the moment's gone and yes, it's still lingering. Do we do it or do we not? We have to learn how to say yes. We have to learn how to say yes. I saw this on Facebook and it's so good that I went to my notes and put it in my notes. It said, God's will is rarely easy, but it's always good. God's will is rarely easy, but it's always good. I don't know about you, but like I said, there's been plenty of times that I've wanted to do and I've said yes to do. And then whenever we're working and we're, try- we're continuously saying yes, I'm saying yes to it up until it happens. I'm saying yes to it. I'm saying yes to it. And it is not always easy. I guarantee you some of the men of the church that said yes whenever they would come up here and help halfway through the night, they were like, I wish I wouldn't have said yes. (laughs) I wish I wouldn't have said yes to this. I wish I wouldn't have said yes. And I want to encourage you this morning. Some of you have said yes. And you're still in the yes period. It's not happened yet. And there's pain attached. And there's fear attached. And there's doubts that are attached. And there's worry that's attached. But just continue to say yes. Continue to say yes. And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. The first thing that she done, she heard from God. The second thing she did was she said yes to the Lord. And her yes was the backbone to future faith. Her yes was the backbone to future faith. Like many of us, this lady didn't just go through one thing. How many people have been through more than one thing? 
Come on, somebody. If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. Right? And I'm going to call you out. No. But the truth is, is we've all been through more than one thing. And, the, and here's something that, that blows my mind because I'm like, man, this, this Zarephath widow lady is me. She's me. And, and because she went from receiving a miracle, okay? She went from needing a miracle to receiving a miracle to needing a miracle. Like that. Have you ever been there? You ask God for help. Lord, I need your help. I need your help, God. Please help me. And then he sends help. And then you breathe for a second. And then you're like, God, I need your help. I need your help. Whether it was self-induced or whether it was Satan-induced or whether it's God forging something in our lives, there's times that I feel like I just can't get over the hump. You know what I'm saying? There's times I feel like I can't get ahead of the eight ball. There's times I feel like, Lord, what's it going to take? What's it going to take for me to get ahead? This is a hard pill to swallow, but I want you to hear it. God will never give you a life that makes Him unnecessary. And that's what many of us are praying for. Lord, fix this. Fix it all. And when He does, do you know what that means? I don't need you anymore. Until the next thing comes. And then when the next thing comes, I'll need you. But until then, you know, I'm going to spare tire you for a while. Put you in the trunk. And what's funny is, is it's, I've learned over the course of, of the past, especially the past two years, I've learned that, that God doesn't want to just use me as a vessel or be existent in my life. He wants my life. And that means not just Sunday, not just Wednesday, not just prayer time, not just radio airplay, every second of my life, He wants to be a part of. Every second, He wants to be a part of. What does it mean when I say that God's not going to give us a life that makes Him unnecessary? Your life will never or ever be consistent without needing God's hand to move. There'll never be a moment in your life that you don't need God's hand to move in your life. And if that's what you're expecting out of Christianity, you signed up for the wrong team. You signed up for the wrong thing. God wants to place His hand in your life and He wants it to be there. Almost like a marionette. You know what I'm saying when I say a marionette? Have y'all ever seen the little puppets that have the little strings and they're doing it? I've seen some amazing marionettes and God wants to do that he wants to be the hand in the glove he wants to be the marionette to the puppet he wants to be that in your life but there's a part in a verse of this this passage that if you read further than what we read the widow's son becomes so sick that he died now I don't know about you I would be mad I would be mad at God. And here's the reason why. God, you sent this prophet to my house. You told me to take care of this prophet. And you promised me that if I'd done it, you would give me food to feed me and my family and that we wouldn't die. And then, 
This joker sickness comes rolling into my life and takes my son out. This is garbage. Y'all may not talk to God that way, but I talk to God that way. I really do. I really do. And, and I would be so frustrated with the Lord. And here's where I think this lady is a thug. Okay? Because she done just that. She went to Elijah and said, what's the deal? I've put you in my house. I gave you our meal. God done what He said He would do, but why is my son in the shape he's in? Why is he in the shape that he's in? And this is the verse that stood out to me. Elijah told her, give him to me. Give him to me. Have you ever noticed that any time God wanted to do the miracle in the life of the woman, she had to give something away that was important to her? If you don't hear anything else I say, hear this this morning. Whenever God wanted to do the miracle with the, the meal and the oil, she had to give it away. But this is ours, Lord. She told the prophet, I'm going to go to the house, I'm going to make this, we're going to eat it and we're going to die. Give it to me. But you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm going to make this, we're going to eat it, then we're going to die. Okay? Give it to me. So you want me to die sooner. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but here's what he said, if you'll give it to me, God will do. So that's what happened. And then the next thing that happens is her son dies. My son is dead. Give him to me. You may not be hearing what I'm telling you right now, prophet, but my son is dead. Give him to me. And here's what's wild. Some theologians say that Jesus, I mean that Elijah in the Old Testament is a type of the Christ in the New Testament. He's a reflection of who Jesus is in the New Testament. This passage of Scripture, when it's broken down that way, blows my mind. This tells me that when I go to God with my issue, with my problem, with my doubt, with my insecurity, with my need, with whatever it is I'm taking to the Lord, He's going to tell me one thing. Give it to me. Give it to me. God will do miracles in your life. You just have to give that area of your life up to Jesus. I know, I know. Men, we're fixers, right? Can I tell you all a quick story? This past week, Rafa had tubes and his adenoids removed. Minor surgery, right? Thursday morning. My wife doesn't know this. Maybe she does. She's kind of like the Holy Ghost. She knows things that I don't tell her. All right? But the truth is, is Wednesday night, I was a nervous wreck. Wednesday day, I was afraid. I was so scared. And I know it's a minor surgery. I know. But it would be just like the enemy to try to sift out my lineage because we have changed and broken curses in our lives. Come on, somebody. And the thing is, is I was so afraid. I was like, God, please. You know, and I would... I. Just all day, Lord, please take care of my baby. Please don't let nothing happen to my baby. I want my baby to be okay. God, please. And you know what he said? Well, just give him to me. And I was like, Lord, I hear you. <laughs> I 
I hear you, God, but, uh, you know, I'm the fixer. I want to fix it. I want to be the one that does it. And the Lord said, give him to me. And then the question came. Here was the hard thing. Then the question came. I was like, all right, Lord, he's yours. He said, is he? I was like, yes, he's yours. We, you know, we've, we've done the spiritual thing. We dedicated him to you at birth, Lord. And he said, is he really mine? And I was like, yes. He said, what if I choose to take him? Then I had to step back and say, then you've done what you wanted to do. It's easy for me to ask God to fix an area of my life, but then never hand it over to Him. The woman never would have had the meal and the oil like she was promised had she not handed over the bread. The woman never would have had her son's soul return to his body if she didn't hand over her son. And I'm challenging you as a body this morning. Are you tired of weeping over things that you've yet to hand to God? I don't know about you, but there's things in my life that I'm like, Lord, please do something with this. And I'm the one that's trying to piece it all together. I'm going to make this work. This, God, we're going to do this. Me and you, we're going to do this. You know, and God's like, no, I want to do this. No, I got it, Lord. It's cool. But I'm going to need your help. Then give it to me. No, I've got it. Does that sound familiar to anybody in the room? Come on, somebody. I want the courage of this woman. I want the tenacity that this woman had. This is where she was a thug. You know, it just blows my mind. She gave the boy to Elijah without reluctance. Without second guessing one thing, she said, take him. Why? Because she had seen what God had already done through the oil and the barrel. That should be what drives us to trust the Lord. That should be the thing that drives us to listen to God. Is that whenever we ask Him, and He says, will you do this? It's easy for me to say, yeah, God, I'll do it. But the truth is, is that if I remember, the next time He says, will you pray for a wheelchair-bound person? If I remember, Lord, I remember what you've done with the man with his arm in a sling. I remember what you've done when you asked me to pray for my cousin. Yes, I'll pray for that person in that wheelchair. When God asks you, will you hand over your children to me? Yes, Lord, I remember what you've done with my life. And I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Because if he done it before, he can do it again. And how many people, we have a hard time believing that He wants to. A lot of times our faith isn't that, can God do it? Our lack of faith is, will God do it? Many of us in this room believe that that He raised the dead, He caused blind eyes to see, that He healed the leper. We believe that He rose from the dead. 
We believe that he is all powerful. We believe that he is all knowing and all present. We believe all of that stuff, but we have a hard time believing that he wants to do it. That's where we lack faith. God, I know you can, but will you? But will you? If she would have told Elijah no, feed yourself. Get your dry hide up. Go get your own water. Go get your own sandwich. I ain't doing it. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if some of you men ever heard that before. You can make your own sandwich. I ain't making you nothing. I've never heard that before. I'm just carrying on. My wife is so good to me. Anyway, but if she would have told Elijah, no, you make it yourself. You feed yourself. She would have inevitably lost her own life and lost her son's life. But instead, she didn't eat her cornbread. She gave it away. Are you going to have faith to give God the thing that you're dealing with? To to really give it to Him? Are you going to keep it yourself? And are you going to keep getting the same results? They say insanity is trying to do the same thing over and over and over and get different results. It's never going to happen. You'll drive yourself crazy. Had she ate the meal herself, I love this next phrase, okay? And I want you to grab this this morning. Had she ate the meal herself, she wouldn't have had the miracle to lean back on. Had she ate the meal herself, she couldn't have remembered God was faithful to me. Here, He'll be faithful to me with my son. Do you realize that when we tell God no, we're removing standing, uh, stepping stones to greater miracles, to greater faith? When we say no to Him, we're saying, I don't trust you enough for the future. I know, it's heavy. (laughs) The small miracle of the barrel of oil in the jar gave her faith to stand during the harder task. Don't cheat yourself out of opportunities to grow your faith simply because what you're facing seems difficult to bear. Have y'all ever heard the stories about Moses and his staff or Aaron and their staves? And Here's something that's really cool that I found out about staves and I meant to bring mine. I've got one. I meant to bring it out. It'd be all weird this morning to stand here with a staff. But uh, the truth is, is that staves were almost like yearbooks for school. When major events would happen in people's lives in the Bible, they would write down or draw on their staves. And whenever, um, there was times that Scripture talks about how Moses would lean on his staff. And I feel like that goes a lot deeper than just physically leaning on a staff. How many people knows that Moses, whenever he got tired and weary and wanted to give up, he could just look at his staff and say, I remember that time I stood in front of Pharaoh and God prevailed. (laughs) God, I want to give up. I'm tired. But I remember that time that you parted the Red Sea and you set your people free. I remember that. Lord, I remember that time that my arms were getting heavy, but you told them, you told them to come and raise my hand. Lord, I remember that. I remember. And, and the truth is, is, here's the thing. A lot of us don't have strength for tomorrow, 
Because we don't lean on the miracles of the past in our lives. We choose to forget and we choose to, to just, man, that was just another story. That was another thing. But I want you to know this, is that if we lean on the miracles of the past in our lives, God will give us miracles in the future of our lives. God has blessed us enough to know that we have nothing to worry about in fear. If He worries about the sparrows and how they're going to be fed, He worries about you. And if He worries about the lilies in the fields, He worries about you. And I want you to know this this morning, that what you're going through right now, what you're saying yes to right now, what you're having to to work through right now, it's only going to be something that prepares you for the next harder thing in your life. Because we're never going to have a moment in our lives that we don't have to be dependent on God. It's never going to happen. And I want to encourage you. Listen, I want to encourage you. The same God that was here for you during this and the same God that was here for you whenever you had that failure and the same God that was here for you whenever you had that struggle and the same God that was here for you whenever you went through this, that divorce, whatever it was, whatever you have been through, the same God that was there for you then, He is here for you now. And then if He's here for you now, we can look back at what you're going through now one day and say, man, God was faithful through it. It didn't feel like it in the time. It didn't feel like it in the moment. It sure enough didn't look like it in the moment. But I know that God was faithful and He brought me through. And what I'm facing today, the giant that I'm facing now, it's going to be nothing. He's going to fall like the last one. Come on, somebody. And I encourage you this morning. Don't keep what He's asking for to yourself. It's better to give it away. It's better to give it away.